Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Golly. Gee, Judy, Booty, Stooby, Booty, Goody, Booty, Stooty, Booty. Uh, hey. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of What's the World. Hope you've been following along because of this episode. It's going to be one of my best, to be honest. Um, I recommend getting a good listen to episode two and episode three. Um, the main thing that I have in common for those two episodes, I've got my guest on the show who's my roommate now, JC, as you may know already. We have a lot of fun doing this uh, <laughs> doing this episode. It was a little bit of a surprise to him, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I'm back in Boulder, and it's, oh my gosh, it feels so good to be here. It feels so good to be just in Colorado, and it feels good just to be, you know, making that personal progress, you know what I'm saying, becoming that person you want to become, you know what I'm saying, going getting to that point where you get to that point you want to be at whenever you're thinking about that point you want to be at in the future, and then you finally get towards getting there, and then you get there closer, you're not quite there yet, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, it's a really, really good time, it feels good to be here, and thanks again for joining me, it's I just took a nap. I just got off. I got off work. Had to stay later. Uh, I took a nap, and now I feel rejuvenated. I feel alive. But I'm still gonna have to go to sleep early because I got three hours of sleep last night. But that's not important. What's important today is this episode, and. Here's a cool thing about today. I got a bus pass. That might, that might not mean a whole lot to you, but to me it means a whole ton. Not just a lot, a ton. Right? So I've been actually been working towards getting this bus pass for a while. And for me, it's free. I don't have to pay for it. I get it free through the company that I work for in here in Boulder. And uh, the good thing about this bus pass means, uh, the good thing about it is that I get free rides to Denver. And what that means for me is that I don't have to drive to Denver at all. Actually, I haven't been there before, so I can't say I won't have to drive there anymore. I can say I don't have to drive there at all. I don't have to drive there myself. I just got to ride the bus. And then the bus stops three blocks from downtown. So it's like the perfect thing. And you're thinking, why do you want to go to Denver? Well, think about it like this. A lot of you are in Texas. Think about Denver as Austin, but surrounded by mountains a mile high and one of the best comedy cities in the United States. I am so flippin' happy for this. I'm gonna get to go see shows of famous people doing their stand-up sets, hosting their own shows, having a great time, getting drinks, getting laughs, getting gaffes, and I also get to go check out the local 
artists, the local comedians, and watch a bunch of those shows. Go check out a bunch of live, what is it? Open mics. Man, it's been a while since I've actually just been on a stage. Which means another thing. I'm going to be attempting to get into that world myself. And I think I think some of these episodes this year is actually going to be following my my little side journey back into the world of comedy into Denver and it's going to be so much fun. So that's why I'm so happy I got that bus pass which means I don't have to drive. I can go there. I can get pretty drunk I can watch some fucking awesome shows and then I get to ride the bus back to Boulder to where I live and the bus stop is within stumbling distance of my apartment which is perfect for me at least another cool thing about Denver is that I got offered a job in a sales position for um, this place called TQL. They've got a, they've got a an office in Denver, and I've already had a couple interviews. I might get a third one, but the th- I, I'm just a little concerned about this job, just because it's going to be taking up way, way more time than would my current job. And I don't know how much of a difference it is in pay. I haven't really done those calculations because I've just been really reluctant to to make that decision to get something in my life that takes up, what, 80% of my waking life? That's a little too generous. 85% of my waking life. Seriously, that's how intense this job is. And I'm not so sure if I'm completely prepared for it but I'm ready for it. Does that make sense? Not really to me. Like, it's something that I'm ready to do in order to, like, have experience in something like that for my own future, but I don't know if I'm currently prepared for it because I have some other things planned out and lined up. It's very, very possible that if I do get this, you know what, this isn't even, this isn't even important. This isn't important at all. Today's episode, I'm entitling it Suspended. And you'll kind of figure out why. Um, the cool thing about this, um, this episode is I'm publishing a research paper that JC submitted to a class last semester. And that's what this podcast is going to be about. It's going to be about that research paper. Um, it's, <laughs> I have a lot of, we both have a lot of fun doing this. Um, he didn't really know we were going to do this when we started. We just kind of jumped in and got things rolling. And then immediately after we ended, we started the outro. Um, and JC is doing the outro for me in this episode, which is, which is great. I'm really happy that he accepted the, 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 the option that I gave him to do the outro for the show, and he does a great job. Um, but anyway, without further ado, what's the world? Episode five, suspended. Give it up for JC. 
All right. Hey, uh, thank you for joining everybody. I don't know really know how to like start this episode. I'm just gonna like jump right in. Um, it's it's uh, it's me. I am your host, and we have uh, JC here as well. Um, we're back in Boulder. Good day. It's uh, late January. Um, we've been in Boulder for two, three, four weeks. Oh, that was trying to say about like three weeks or something like about that. Three, yeah. Three. yeah um, so, as as you know, um, JC was in um, episode two, getting real, as well as episode three, the Christmas special, and. Uh, we're back in our apartment and everything, and I I just want to say I apologize if you hear any coughing or uh, gross voice or anything. I'm just getting over a sickness. I had this this uh, sinus infection piece of shit thing that was going on. It, it's it sucked. I felt like hungover for four days, and I don't get hungover <laughs> at all. Um, so we spent me and JC both spent uh, Christmas and New Year's in New Braunfels. Um, we hung out with a lot of friends and family. We had a lot of fun. It was a really great time. Uh, and being back in Boulder, it was kind of, it was kind of, I don't know, it was a little weird for me at a moment because I got, I got homesick for a while. After my, after my first week, I was, I was fine. And then I went to this, this housewarming party and I didn't, I didn't know anybody there. Oh, fuck. I forgot where to start the episode. Fuck it. Um, Um, I went to this, this housewarming party and I didn't know anybody there except for the person that invited me. And I was just like kind of sitting there all awkwardly. Like I was already, I was kind of drunk, but we were having drinks and ate chili and everything. But, uh, uh, I don't know. It was, it was like being there and being around a bunch of other people that kind of made me feel homesick. And I was missing a lot of my friends and some of my family. And it was just, I, I don't know. Um, being back here gave me a sense of, of thankfulness and feeling blessed for, you know, the people that I have in my life and all that, which was great. Um, uh, so being back here for me, I mean, so far it's been pretty good. I got back into work and I, um, I've gotten, uh, an interview for a sales position in Denver, um, which is pretty fucking awesome. I'm really happy about that. And I think sometime in February next month, going to be going to Denver and hanging out a little bit more, um, killing it, going to comedy clubs, getting interviews, checking out the downtown area. I haven't been to Denver before, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, uh, being back here in Boulder for you, JC, um, since your school semester has already started, uh, you got back here, I'd say about a, like a week or two before school started for you. So like, how's it been being back in Boulder? Uh, it's definitely different. It's a lot like, um, I, f I feel where you're coming from when it comes to like homesickness type of stuff. It's yeah. really nice to see your friends and family and see them and do stuff with them. Uh, just like, you know, New Braunfels is, is a gray area. Uh, but it's always nice to be back in Boulder because it feels like a completely separated place from New Braunfels in the way of um, it's definitely more attuned to my ideals you know, right. and my ideas, stuff like that. Yeah. A lot more than New Braunfels is. New Braunfels can feel kind of trapping at some points. Yeah. Like but, the, um, there's some feeling about New Braunfels that just kind of like, it, it like pulls you in and you don't really like it. 
Kind of like a rapist fan says free candy on the side. <laughs> exactly. You know, it pulls you in, but you're like, I'm not so sure about how I feel about this situation, but I'm going to go for it because that's candy anyway. I don't think these are sweet tarts. No, <laughs> I doubt these are sweet tarts. I think these are roofies, but I'm going to I'm gonna go for it anyway. I'm, I'm going to live here for 22 years. I, I trust you. I trust <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a lot better being here, though, because I feel you know more of an adult because I'm stuck in my family's house mm-hmm. ever of in, in New Braunfels. Yeah. Here, I'm actually, you know, especially since I'm paying for rent and things, stuff here. It's more like, it's like wasted money. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me, you know? It's more of a, it, like, yeah, being in New Braunfels, yeah, um, being here, like, it, it gives me some more of a sense of uh, self-sufficiency and... Uh, You're adulting. Diplis- yeah, discipline. Like, adulting, basically. Adulting. Yeah, You're it's, adulting. Because, like, I, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about this before, where in, in a lot of cultures, you know, I would say pre... 1900 let's just think about the pre-1900 cultures in human history a lot of them have rites of passage into adulthood like if you talk about a every uh, culture does yeah i I want to go more specifically into like a native american tribe let's say in the deserts of new mexico um i'm not exactly sure what type of uh, uh what tribe it is but they'll have these Rites of passage for uh, young men, as far as I know, it's, it's just men, that when they hit a certain age, they'll be sent out into the desert and they'll be told to smoke peyote and survive. Is it? I thought they drank peyote. Drank pe- whatever it is. They okay. do peyote, right? And they trip balls. Yeah. But they're out in the middle of the desert by themselves and they have to survive, basically. And whenever they come back, they're considered a man. It's their, it's their spirit animal. They see their spirit animal. Right, yeah, sure, whatever. 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 I'm not a Native American, so I can't really <laughs> speak for them on that point. But the no culture today, I mean, at least in American culture, I don't think any. Uh, I haven't, I haven't heard or practiced any sort of rite of passage into adulthood in the continental United States, except for some people. Like um, I, I know, I know uh, some people that said, you know. When I turned 18, my parents kicked me out of the house and they said, go find a place to stay. And, you know, I mean, we'll help you out for a little bit. But further than that, you know, you're on your own, basically. If you, get, if you fuck up, you fuck up. We're not helping you. And that, I mean, that's considered a rite of passage into adulthood because you have to learn how to be self-sustained. You have to learn how to be disciplined and, you know, uh, do things the right way in order to survive in today's society. You know, with all the rules and regulations and all that shit. Do you but, think uh, graduating like from high school and then getting accepted to a college and then going to do college stuff? Do you think that like going to your dorm for freshman year, you have to be at the dorm stuff like that? Do you think that's more of a rite of passage or at least an attempted rite of passage? Yeah, I mean, in in certain in a certain way, it makes you mature because you're away from home and you you have nobody but yourself, but you've learned how to how to react with the people around you and socialize and all that. And you have to, you know, you're not being told to like make your bed or clean your room or eat certain times of the day. So you kind of have to figure that out for yourself. Especially when you're like far away from home though. Right. I think that's a big one. Yeah. When you're far far away away. from home. You have to be far away. Absolutely. I went to college 20, 30 minutes away from New Braunfels. So, I mean, it wasn't that much of a difference for me personally. Um, But even then when you're, in a dorm, your freshman year of college, you, you, uh, a lot of things are taken care for you, mm-hmm. you know, taken care of for you, yeah, and you still have other yeah. things to pay attention to, like yeah. your classes and stuff, which isn't very different from high school. So, 
I, I, in a way, I think it is a rite of passage, but I think when we hit, like, after college, like, that's when that true rite of passage start. For sure. If you decide, you know, to move away and, you know, do your own thing and not pay attention to what's going on at home anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I see what you mean. Yeah. But anyway, it's been great being back here in Boulder. Um, actually, I, I figured this out recently. I don't know if I've said this before. In 2017, National Geographic voted Boulder, Colorado, as the happiest city to live in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Isn't that interesting? And that makes sense because when I came here, I mean, like, I had that sense of homesickness and everything, but, like, there was this environment, especially being near the mountains where, oh, fuck, HQ's live right now. <laughs> fucking, I'm not worried about it. Wait, don't worry about it. No. Wait, it's $15,000, 15000 but, like, I mean, that's going to be, like, 20 bucks a person. Dude, that's it. I'm a, not worried about dude. it. Dude, oh, come it's, on. It's, they, they have it every day. Last Sunday, they, some, I it saw. It was 17000 There was nine who won in the 15,000. They all got like 1.3 thousand each. Oh, well. That's worth it, bro. That's too much I mean, this rent. isn't going to be the only day they're doing this, That's so too much I'm not worried rent, about it. Tommy. <laughs> Waking up in Boulder, looking around, and you have the mountains next to you, and you have all of these people around you that have either, that have, that are, they're here for the first time or that have lived here their whole lives. It's a very, very positive environment here. And with the mountains around, you get this constant reality check every time you look at it because there's it's they mountains are just if you don't live around mountains they're fucking huge they're huge they happen to be large they happen to be very large quite they happen large. to be uh, quite a bit of feet high yeah um but i mean it, it's there's a very positive environment here and i fucking love it yeah um as you know um jc is my roommate here in boulder he's a student at colorado university he's majoring in astrophysics and he's knowledgeable in universal physics from the microscopic to the macroscopic and if you talked with him before you would know that jc is a very very social person and he has kind of he has he has almost the the almost superhuman ability to talk your ear off yeah way too much yeah um everybody knows about that uh, everybody that knows you would know about that. You're very, you're a good conversationalist. Let's say that. Um, and I'm your host, Tommy. Um, I graduated from Texas State University, majoring in communication studies. I am knowledgeable in human communication in many forms, as well as in universal relationships from the stranger to the professional to the personal to the romantic. Uh, not <laughs> like to experience. Yeah. <laughs> I like that because it's true. Because <laughs> it's just, it's just true. I did study like. All for, uh, like all of those relationships and all of those uh, contexts of communication. Is that on your resume to have romantic on there? Um, no. <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> I know. should. You might you might give a I, yeah <laughs> a job perspective right. situation. Just be like, huh? So might need some help. Uh, I'm Just a, a love guru. I'm I'm very knowledgeable in the professional. Uh, romantic relationships. So I, can, I give the best O faces. <laughs> I have dated everyone in my workplace from every place I've worked. For real? Not true. Okay, no. damn it. Should put that in my. That would have been hilarious. Um, as <laughs> so today, what we're doing is we're gonna talk about super volcanoes. Last, uh, let's see, last semester in October, JC wrote a research paper on super volcanoes such as uh, Yellowstone. Specifically, specifically Yellowstone, he talks about because Yellowstone is like right smack dab in the continental United States, like right smack dab in North America, and it has the potential to destroy the entire continent. It's honestly the most devastating volcanic 
system there is in the world right now. Like, but the yeah. potential, the potential of Yellowstone is definitely above almost every other. It's uh, nuts. Oh, every, every other volcano I know of, at least. It's giant. From this research, yeah. So he wrote, he wrote this research paper for a physics class uh, back in October, and it's about, it's, the title of it is um, Super Volcanic Eruptions and How to Mitigate Their Damage. And what I'm going to do today um, is I'm going to go over this entire paper, this paper in its entirety, and I'm going to go over things kind of in my own words. Um, so instead of going back and forth and explaining mm-hmm. topics and ideas and, uh, you know, trying to understand things from two people's perspective, uh, I believe since you sent this research paper to me to, uh, to edit it for, you know, like do a final editing to make sure it was consistent and it was, uh, understandable, you know, for your physics class, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I, I think I'm kind of knowledgeable in, in the subject, so I'm going to go through it on my own, and I'm going to try to, like, explain things in my own terms. So, like, I'm That's just... Cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm just kind of, like, having you here to explain things um, as I go on, if I have anything, like, that I'm having trouble with, or if I seem like I have something misunderstood, just, like, I'll, I'll have you come in, and we'll, you know, try to explain things as they go on. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then it... Uh, let's see... Let's see. Uh, and at, at the end, um, I'll have you answer questions um, that I have about the research paper that I've written down, uh, and we'll go over anything that I missed. All right. So uh, this is uh, so this was uh, submitted October 13, 2017. It's called "Super Volcanic Eruptions and How to Mitigate Their Damage," and uh, we do have some. He has some keywords up at the top, um, and there are some other keywords um, that I'll explain as I go along. Uh, keywords here: super volcano. Basically, big volcano, right? <laughs> Eruptions, when enough volcano like explodes, it's like a lot of tension going on. <laughs> volcano just explodes. Yellowstone, um, which is the super volcano at Yellowstone National Park, yes. right? Yes. Geothermal energy. That kind of like explains itself if you know what geo and thermal is. It's like <laughs> hot earth yeah. energy, basically. Heat from the earth getting his energy. Right. Ash clouds. Um, Leftover explosion dust, basically, or leftover eruption dust. Expulsed rock. Damage mitigation, which means like reducing or managing the damage. Uh, power. That and has more to do with geothermal, geothermal energy is the power part. Right. That's to do with that. Yeah. Gaining power. Yeah, you you'll know that word if you've watched He-Man or paid your monthly bill. <laughs> and enhanced geothermal systems. Uh, okay, so. Here's all right. I'm gonna go through this. Uh, supervolcanic eruptions are one of the most devastating natural phenomena that occurs here on Earth. These devastating release of billions of kilograms of magma, ash, and sulfur. The implications of an eruption could be massive. Could be massive damage to the infrastructures of human civilization. These the uh, sorry. Excuse, yeah, excuse me. Jesus Christ. I can't read this right for some reason. This includes the destruction of homes and businesses, as well as roads, public public transportation, and agriculture uh, development. Much of this damage is difficult to mitigate, and once an eruption occurs, it is impossible to stop this damage as a whole. So when it, like when super volcanoes explode, there's like nothing you can do, basically. So if if you're sitting at home and you're watching TV, and the entire Earth starts to shake, and something comes on TV and it said, "Hey, Yellowstone just exploded." Don't panic. 
you're gonna die anyway, so just stay. So just stay where you are. <laughs> I got, we got the toilet on the fucking recording. Fuck yeah. Um, and if you if you're sitting at home watching TV and something on the TV comes on, it's like, hey, Yellowstone just exploded. Don't panic. You're gonna die anyway. Just enjoy the last minutes you have here on Earth, basically. Yeah. yeah. Though it may sound daunting. Halting the progression of supervolcanoes' ability to erupt is entirely possible. The most important aspect of a caldera's ability to erupt lies in the amount of energy released through its natural processes. And calderas, I looked this up, calderas is actually the Spanish word for cauldron, um, which means volcano cooker. <laughs> These processes include hydroconvection zones, heat disbursement throughout the surrounding rock, and most famously, geysers. If you've ever been to... Um, if you've ever been to Yellowstone National Park, you would know about Old Faithful, right? Yep. That's at Yellowstone, right? Yes. Sir. Old Faithful, which is like the biggest geyser on earth. Sure. Um, <laughs> all of these forms of energy transfer to outside of the system is referred to as heat leak. And in my mind, whenever I hear heat leak, just think small diarrhea, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 The estimate, like, like it, diarrhea, like leaking. <laughs> out of your butt slowly anal leakage anal yeah but it's like diarrhea so it just it's slow and deliberate and deliberate there you go the estimated energy produced by the average heat leak of yellowstone through natural processes is 1.5 gigawatts this is not very much in fact the typical electrical power plant commonly rejects more heat than this is that like uh, uh like heat or energy lost whenever they're creating energy at hydro electric plants yeah like when they're uh when you have like a hydroelectric plant like um like the hoover dam is a hydroelectric dam okay so it's taking all that energy of the actual uh water flowing through the dam into the the uh, small river that it allows out. okay that energy that it takes out there's a lot like, of it it's is, just like we don't we don't want this energy get it out of here well when it's it comes gonna... to the mechanics of the system you'll you'll lose a lot through the inefficiencies yeah so that's and, you, what, and you keep losing water yeah. too because you're it's going through the dam <laughs> exactly right yeah it's just yeah okay well, like so that, that so energy... it rejects 1.5 gigawatts of water well, it's 1.5 gigawatts like let's say the mechanical instruments that are taking in this energy like the turbines and stuff a lot of that 1.5 gigawatts of energy will be lost by the heat just created by that that just dissipates throughout the system okay so, so it's just just it's heat it's energy that we can't get right out of the system okay so it's water through mechanical inefficiency this paper aims to show the feasibility of such a project how it can be done and what methods have already been discussed to do so and what can go wrong with these methods and what we would like to possibly gain from it as a source of energy because we know so little about this phenomena like we know so little about uh global warming mm -hmm. it's difficult for humans to understand how dangerous these events can be maybe with the help of these methods um they could prove hope for our geological stability on earth and these methods he's going to discuss these methods um in the paper so maybe these methods could be hope for the geological stability on Earth, like maybe with the help of global warming, too. Hmm. That's possible. Hmm. Um, a supervolcanic eruption is a type of eruption that equates to, to uh, that, uh, that rates equal or greater to 8 on the volcanic explosivity index. 
Um, these eruptions eject a shit ton of ash. 10 to the 15. And kilograms. sulfate aerosols, enough to blanket a large fractions of continents and induce volcanic winters. Um, the Very lack similar to nuclear winters. Shut up. <laughs> the lack of sunlight from the cloud cover created by these volcanic winters destroys agricultural processes around the world, causing mass famines as well as many infrastructures of cities integral to trade, transport, and leisure. The interesting thing, the interesting thing about glo- uh, about about volcanic winters is that it's like kind of the opposite of global warming. So it like it stops uh, global warming from 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 what I from from what I, I've read. These eruptions also release thousands of cubic kilometers of magma, yielding an excess of 450 uh, kilometers cubed. That okay, like that's an arbitrary number. I don't really can't put that in a perspective. It's a volume kilometers. Cubed. I know, but I mean it's it's a it's a lot. Yeah, way too much. To put too that oh, okay, the next sentence I could have kept reading. To put that into perspective, the most devastating eruptions uh, mankind is familiar with. Tambora in Indonesia in 1815, Krakatau in Indonesia in 1883, and Katmai Novarupta in Alaska in 1912 released between 10 and 30 kilograms cubed of magna, which is less than 6% of a supervolcanic eruption. That's That's fucking crazy. These last known supervolcanic eruptions occurred roughly 26,000 years ago at Taupo Volcano uh, in New Zealand, um, which yielded 500 kilograms cubed, which was a long fucking time ago. And that created New Zealand and it gave birth to live Kiwis. True. What? That is true. All right. The end of the spectrum (laughs) concerning super eruptions... Uh, at least the most recent of these extremes was Toba in Sumatra that 74,000 years ago, 74,000 years ago, yielded an astounding 2,800 kilometers cube of magna, which is way more than a super volcano eruption. And that actually created North America and gave birth to human history. Not true. <laughs> no, no that, that created North America. Yeah, there are... <laughs> There are 28 known caldera systems that are capable of seven or greater on the volcanic explosivity index. Um, so, okay, so like the way that I look at it is really we have two options, right? Mm-hmm. We have the option of preventing this explosion of a super volcanic eruption, say of Yellowstone, and we die of global warming, or we let the explosion happen. And we die of a really, really cold volcanic winter. So it's either hot or cold, hmm. right? That's an interesting way to look at it. Is that right, though? I mean, I wouldn't say it's right, but I would say that's an interesting way to look at it. So we have two options. We die of global warming or a cold volcanic winter. So take your pick, people. It's hot or cold. Which would you rather die of? Well, Personally, I think I would rather die of being too cold. Because I think that goes faster. Because you don't lose fluids. You just kind of like, you shake a whole lot. And then you stop shaking, which is like hypothermia stage three. And then you just basically freeze. Well, I think it's more of a... So like the situation with these systems, it's not necessarily cold winter and, or global warming type of system. It's more like when a, one of these systems erupts, it doesn't just create like the volcanic winter is a short-term situation these volcanic these volcanoes will release 
the amount of carbon dioxide that we've been releasing every year uh, for the past 100 years pretty much in one sitting. So these type of eruptions wouldn't, they put us in a volcanic winter for about like maybe 10 years and then it would become super hot. And global warming is like 100 years. Well, like, like the global warming is more like, they're not worse than each other or better than each other. They're more like, uh, they're, both, they're both bad. They're both really bad. They both kill us all. It doesn't matter yeah. how they kill us. It, like, the thing is with the super volcanic I gotta move on. I gotta move on or we're gonna okay. run out of time. Never mind. We're I'll gonna run out of time. A useful step to mitigating the possible damage of one of these events means prediction. Like palm reading the earth. It's a capable, a capable prediction system is our first line of defense against these types of events. The prediction systems give people, in the event of an unforeseen or uncircumventable, in the event of an unforeseen or un, uncircumcised eruption, the ability to... Dude, shut up. I'm trying to do this. I'm sorry, dude. I'm just doing my best. Sorry. However, a prediction system is easier said than done, specifically because recorded history or human history has never witnessed an eruption this size, except for uh, Sumatra, which created human history. 74,000 years ago. Dude, I'll send you out of the room if I need to. I'm trying to make this real serious. I'm sorry, I'm leaving the room. I'm going to leave the room. All right. I'm going to... I'll I'll let you know when I need you back in here. Um, The recognized ignorance amongst, uh, amongst those in the discipline of volcanology... For you Star Trek fans, places a lot of doubt on what to look for when scrutinizing a spectrum of volcanic signals. Through the complexity of the through the complexity of the the tactical activity that tends to exist in these zones compared to smaller, more predictive, and less volatile volcanic locations, the monitoring process becomes much more complex. Many of these monitoring methods involve highly, highly sophisticated equipment and data reduction techniques, hence the volcanology. However, it relies ultimately on the subjective judgments of scientists who must compare it and weigh likely outcomes resulting from observed volcanic behavior. This indicates development for better prediction methods and improving equipment through technological advancement. Uh, is oh, that's necessary in order to better understand signals leading up to these events. I think that's, I think that's really kind of like ironic, a little oxymoronic, a little bit because scientists like aren't really good at reading signals because they like they don't get a lot of ass. They're autists because they're yeah. <laughs> that's imp- that's impressive to me that they can actually like read the signals that Earth is giving them, but they can't read signals that people are giving them. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. Autism. (laughs) A warning system would be ideal, but the ability of today's technology and our understanding of geophysics severely limits us in this regard. So, even with the limits of today's technology, like even with iPhones, we can't can't do anything. Even with with iPhones. That's retarded. I know, it's fucking dumb. It's fucking dumb, dude. You can charge your phone in 24 hours, but you can't fucking stop it. 
a super volcano. Well, it gives off so much power. Maybe it could like a super volcanic eruption could like charge a bunch of people's phones at once, so they could get in contact with uh, like FEMA or something. Send it to fucking Apple right now. Do it. I'm trying to talk about super volcanoes. I'm sorry. Just, sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Just just stay on topic. Just stay on topic. I'm sorry. Um, although the concept. Although the concept of stopping a supervolcano in itself sounds impossible, there have been recent developments in... Jesus Christ, did you put... I know this is like a paper for a physics class, but I can't read some of these fucking words. I'll just do my best. It's whatever. There have been recent developments in mythology to do so. Using Yellowstone as... Dude, I'm just trying to read the paper. Just... Calm down. Sorry, let me let me go over this. Using Yellowstone as the primary candidate, a concept has been put forth to induce heat leak. Uh, again, think small diarrhea, um, or a way to draw energy from the system outward, so you don't have an eruption or big diarrhea. <laughs> so, the the thing that really caught my eye in the beginning of this. Uh, paragraph the idea of mitigation uh, after that last paragraph is that there have been recent developments in in mythology we've had Greek I mean I, in high school I studied a lot of Greek and Roman mythology and I guess would uh, not really recent developments but I guess recent in human history we've had Christian mythology Jewish mythology and Islamic mythology but what have been what what recent what re- more recent developments have there been in mythology? I guess flat earthers and and uh, birthers and I don't know mythology. Yeah, crucifixion. No, that's been around since. I mean, two thousand years is pretty minimal to Zeus, who's a badass who's been around for. Zeus wasn't. Zeus wasn't. He wasn't crucified. Saying since Zeus. All right. Well, Zeus, Zeus was, he was, he was, uh, he was God of, of, not, not, not thunder. Was he God of thunder? I don't know. He shot, he shot lightning bolts. That's what Zeus did. He shot lightning bolts and he had a bunch of kids. He fucked around a lot. He shot lightning bolts. He shot lightning bolts and he shot skeet. Basically, that was, that was Zeus. He was never crucified. He would have never been crucified for that. It was Jesus. Are you right? Yes, I'm, I'm completely, dude, I'm 100% serious about this. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Zeus wasn't crucified. Are you sure? He didn't. Yes. It's mythology. Jesus was crucified because he was Jewish and he thought he was all cool with that crown of thorns and everything and then like the Pontius Pilate was all fuck kill this guy I've got it whatever an engineering method to force a form of heat leak may be successful with cooling underlying magma and may lead to dis- to decreased long-term volcanic hazards so simply put so gays dude I'll stop the fucking show if I need to just take a drink, go get some water or something, and I'll, I'll finish this paragraph. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, so, simply put, if you induce a system to force heat out of the caldera, or cauldron, in the right way, you could sufficiently reduce the energy output of the system. A method for conceptualizing this engineering feat, or foot, the leaky bath, because it's, it's only one thing, the leaky bathtub, quote-unquote, problem. If you have a bathtub with a leak... The caldera, like you got the heat leak, which is small diarrhea. So if you have small diarrhea leaking out of a bathtub being filled by a faucet, uh, how long will it take the bathtub or a cauldron to fill up? 
Now, the leak is the important part. The more heat leak, the less likely for an eruption. Or, the more small, di the more small diarrhea, the less likely for big diarrhea. It's a good way to visualize it. Nailed it. Because you've got, you've, got you've got those convection zones in the, in the Yellowstone supervolcano. <clears throat> and you got the small diarrhea, or you got the, the heat leak going out. And if you don't have heat leak, if you don't have small diarrhea, you know, going out constantly, if you don't have that heat leak, then there's going to be an eruption. It'll be like the big diarrhea. Analogies for diarrhea is exactly what I'm going for. Cool. And I, I'm surprised you didn't put this in here because it would have been... Should've. It's it. I mean, it's bad image, but it's a good image to conceptualize the idea. I, I was an idiot. I should have put diarrheas. It's my fault. And it's a physics class. I don't think they'll care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus that 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 uh, this semester is over already. <laughs> Thus, through measurements and understanding how uh, of how magma chambers store energy, it has been estimated that if one were to increase the steady state heat leak from the magma chamber of Yellowstone by approximately thirty five percent. The volcano will never erupt. It'll never. Okay, so if so, if we have the heat leak, just the going out Yellowstone, right? It'll never. It it'll never erupt. It'll not even if we drop a nuke on it. Ten thousand years. Ten thousand years. It'll have. It'll well, that like, that gives us a a lot of time to develop a nuke to like really fuck up. The, really fuck it up. So even if we drop a nuke on it in ten thousand years, it won't erupt. Well, I mean, if we drop a nuke on it, I'm not 100% sure. So that's different pressures that I didn't account for. Yeah, you also got that from, like, this uh, outside source. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they didn't discuss that. But I I'm mean, the fucking worst. Sorry, put it, no, I mean, your paper's good. That's the reason we're talking about this. I, I suck, dude. I should, I should we're ta the reason we're talking about this paper is because it's good. It makes sense, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a threat to, to human history. It's not Martians. I don't care, Shut the fuck up! I'm trying to explain something. It's a it's a threat to human to humans as we know it in North America, and the way that you explain it and how to mitigate damage or prevent damage if possible, it it makes sense. Um, and and you know, speaking of the next part of your paper is the mitigating methods, the way that we can mitigate damage for these supervolcanic eruptions. So I did, calm I, down. I did my best. You no, know, calm sorry, down, I'm dude. Sorry. No, no, no. JC, you did a you did a good job on this. Sorry. You did a good job on this paper. It's the reason we're reading it. Just shut the fuck up and let me explain this. Okay, okay, so, don't even, don't even, don't even talk about yourself. I'm sorry. Don't stop. I'm stop sorry. saying you're sorry. Stop. Stop. I'm stop I'm fucking sorry, around. I'm sorry. Stop fucking around, man. I'm sorry. Go, dude. Just go to your room for a second and just okay, okay, like okay. let me. Go, go, go on. I'm just no. Stand up and get the fuck out of here so I can so we can do this quickly. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm trying to. That's not even, dude. JC, get the fuck back in here. Let me go over the mitigating methods. The two specific methods for inducing heat leak into the system includes drilling holes over the top of magma chambers and drilling holes in the perimeters of supervolcanoes. So either you drill straight directly into the motherfucker or you just drill around it. Um, it's either like passive aggression or direct aggression, basically. Uh, the first concept of drilling holes over the top of mag uh, magma chambers and injecting cold water into the system is a short-term solution. The pipes placed inside the holes would make a loop of... Uh, loop system down through the chamber and there are assumed to be three kilometers in length those are like really really long uh, pipes that go down into the magma chamber and like cool it off these loops uh, these pipe loops of water is it water yeah water these loops would be in series of each other 
with spacing of 500 meters in between them, or five uh, football fields in between them. And this method can rapidly and efficiently increase the flux of energy from the system by up to a certain percent found through computer modeling of the Yellowstone system and approximations of energy outputs and variance, various locations among the magma chamber. For sure. However, this method does not increase the flux of the, to the desired 35% increase needed to halt the possibility of an eruption. So if we don't, if we don't decrease the, the, the heat flux by 35%, it can still explode. The best way to increase the flux only using this method would be to decrease the distance in between each of the pipe systems. So maybe four football fields instead of five so that like that would be the best way to increase flux the issue with this is the temperature at the proposed level is already dangerously close to the boiling point of liquid water as as opposed to the boiling point of gas water By the way, don't drink gas water. It's really bad. If vaporization begins in the pipe system, the water will be forced out of the system. The piping will become too hot to hold any water without any vaporization to occur. Um, so basically, the first the first method is to drill holes directly into the magma chamber and run pipes through the magma chamber with water in them to cool down the system by at least 35% so that there's no eruption, right? It's a lot of piping systems. It's a lot of piping. And then he goes into more detail about that. It's like, like a radiator, but shittier. Right. That, like He goes mo into more detail about that, about what pipes to use, the hydraulic pressure to see what, like, you know, what would be, um, uh, what would be good to use for these types of, uh, the, to mitigate this damage. Another possible solution uh, to mitigating the damage of supervolcano eruption is digging uh, the heat leak vents on the perimeter of a volcano. So instead of digging directly into the magma chamber, you're digging around the volcano to help exp uh, disperse that heat. Uh, and then it goes into more detail about how, like, where you would put those. Um, okay, let's see. Yeah. Just he he goes into more detail about that. Um, let's see. So each well in the system, so the holes that are drilled in the perimeter are called wells, and each well in the system will be able to pump eighty kilograms per second of near critical point of water, which is three hundred forty C. Is that okay? So three hundred forty C is that is that Calvin or cellulose? It, it's cellulose. What does that mean? It's Celsius. Oh, okay, Celsius. Okay, Celsius. From from depths as great as ten kilometers, so the proposed system would have 160 of these paired wells. Oh, we can hear that. I bet. I bet. Uh, um. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna move on to that last that last sentence about the wells in the perimeter of the supervolcano with a total of 160 wells. For the perimeter solution would use a shit ton of water and it would extract 20 gigawatts of heat 
and it would drain 10 to the 22nd joules from the next eruption uh, in approximately 16,000 years. Mm -hmm. 10 to the 22nd joules, or about 200 Hellsberg diamonds necklaces. Right? Way more than that. Way more than that. <laughs> that was a bad analogy. Joules is, a, joules is a measurement of force uh, given by the earth in terms of diamonds. Sorry, I, I puked a little bit. Sorry, it was in my mouth. We're you were laughing, obviously. Yeah, I wasn't gonna laugh. I swear. I swear it wasn't a lot. All right, maybe. Okay, maybe. Maybe that's not right. Maybe that's not true. But it's no, a it's lot. De- of, it's definitely in joules. I'm, I'm, it's in joules, yeah, but it's not. No, you're you're, you're moving right. On, you're no. right. I'm, I wasn't laughing. It was a sneeze. Moving on. It's a sneeze. The gaining of energy in the system would almost economically, is is the most economically promising side of these projects. So, for mitigating damage, the geo- okay, so the geothermal system could produce through the 20 gigawatts of thermal energy, 3.46 of gigawatts of electrical power. So we can that's almost as much as a uh, nuclear power plant, which can give off 3.9 or 4 gigawatts of electrical power. So if we were to do projects in order to mitigate the damage of supervolcanic eruptions, we can actually create power for the United States. And that could be that could be produced at well under 10 cents per kilowatt hour, which is a very, very competitive price for power. Um, and I, I, I went after I saw that, I was like, holy shit, that's that's a that that's really economically viable where that I mean it kind of pays for itself in a sense. So I was like looking at it's the next best price for power in the United States is $400,000 per year for presidency. That's, that is like economically the best, the most efficient price for power. But now that we got a businessman who owns his own business and as president, he's got like a shit ton of money coming in from elsewhere. So that $400,000 a year of presidency doesn't really do shit for him. Uh, so it's not really competitive anymore. That's why it's kind of like going downhill and global warming's taking over. And also we're all dead, so yeah. it doesn't help. All right, the risks. The input of these techniques have not yet been tested, and they... These techniques have not yet been... So how do we know they work? There, there are EGS systems that have been but they haven't been tested so how do we know they work no they're EGS systems in place we just haven't tested them on super volcanic so they systems. haven't been tested not on super volcanic right. systems okay so I'm just gonna yeah, start out skip this and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna skip this entire just section just get rid of it conclusion the best method for introducing more heat leak into the system will have to be a gradual one the quick solution for a system as unstable as Yellowstone can create high variability in the way rocks and gases can react to changes in temperature as we attain more accurate modeling of these areas and testing these techniques, the models will, provo- uh, will prove to be the most useful prior to implementation. The most accurate modeling will also follow, uh, also allow for better methods of prediction, which could give us a clock of sorts for when we could experience these extreme eruptions. A slow, gradual process will allow us to also see where we go wrong with these models without causing significant problems. As we see the implementation of these projects, uh, uh, as we see how the implementation of these projects affects the similar or the smaller portions of the systems, rather, it, it will give geophysicists 
insights on how a full introduction of the project will change the system in its entirety. Uh, so basically they have to test it small scale, like on a mini super volcano or a regular big volcano mm -hmm. or a volcano model with baking soda and vinegar. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, so exactly. I, I did one of those, I did one of those in elementary school where we built a volcano with baking soda and vinegar and it, it like it, we had to leave. Exploded. It exploded. We had to leave the classroom for a little bit. Like I fucked it up and like apparently you're not supposed to put firecrackers in there or some shit, but you, 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 like I did it and it like, it went all over the classroom and they had to call the janitors you know, and everything. I, I did the same thing and I put, you know, like, uh, some good old, uh, lipids. I, I don't believe you already. And it made a neoplastic plastic, uh, and it exploded very large and it was pretty intense. That's, that's crazy. But, but would the okay so would um would the project like the would the project include the benefits of global warming include the benefits yeah no why not because if these if these create if these erupt and they create volcanic winters right it it would it would it does the opposite of global warming so there's a benefit there global warming helping reduce volcanic winters so would these projects include the benefits of global warming i mean if you add lube it should yeah you're right how does what do you mean like add lube like be prepared to uh take it in the ass about it yeah for these yeah for the projects yeah you're not even making sense right now i mean if you go, if, hold on go talking about the paper yeah yeah talking about small scale predictions and damage mitigation of on these projects would these projects include the benefits of global warming if you have ky yeah okay now you're just you're trying to be funny about this and it's it's global warming and super volcanoes are a serious fucking thing yeah. this is a real threat yeah would these projects include the fucking benefits of fucking global warming if you have trojans yeah. okay um Supervolcanic eruptions pose a significant threat to our civilization as a whole. Finding new methods to possibly halt these relatively silent giants is becoming a larger focus as a species since we begin to see their years of devastation in the past. These relatively new and untested methods may prove to be uh, viable as we study the properties of these phenomenons and tweak, excuse me, and tweak our technological capabilities to handle the repercussions to said methods. So I, I guess as as we learn more about these super volcanoes and our technology advances and we do projects on small scale damage mitigation, have they I, I mean, I don't think you've talked to these scientists directly, but you've talked to people in, in your class um, about super volcanoes. I'm assuming have they thought about since, you know, technology is advancing so fast, have they thought about using iPhones? Um, yeah, we have, of course, yeah. Because Especially to charge iPhones, yeah. It's because we, um, today's like modern, I actually I think it was like the iPhone 2 or something like that, has more processing power than any of the space shuttles that have reached the moon so yeah. far. Yeah. So, for sure. To mitigate, I mean, because, so going to the moon, I mean, we're not going there. We're staying here. We're talking about super volcanoes. Would they use. Uh, the processing power of iPhones to do these projects. You know, I would think they'd uh, they'd probably um, just throw uh, about ten thousand iPhones into there and then charge them. How would that? How? That, how? 
It worked. You trying to be funny or is this like serious? No, this I'm is talking. Real. This is real. It's not fucking. I know it's not fucking real. If if something goes into a volcano, it fucking melts and disappears. But we're talking about using the processing power in of iPhones in the projects to mitigate. How much do you know about volcanoes, dude? How much do you know about volcanoes? Do you know? I know you. I know you. I know you did a paper over this, but I do know a lot about technology and how fast it's advancing. All right, you didn't put that in this paper because you're talking about because i know it would charge ten thousand fucking no you're iPhones. you're talking what about talking how about? you're talking about how we need to tweak our capable uh, technological capabilities and how there are limits there are limits to technological capabilities right now in human history would they fucking use the processing power of iphones to do these projects to mitigate damage on small scale i'm trying to save us right. i'm not joking around dude i'm being fucking serious and be serious with me right now would they use the iPhones? I'm trying to save us right now. Okay, obviously JC's not being serious about this. Uh, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a small break. Um, you know what? Fuck it. This we're in the conclusion. I got I got some questions for after this. JC, just for the love of God, let me go through this. If I have any questions, I'll ask you. If I misunderstand something or anything like that, just fucking just bear with me. All right, I have questions after this, and you can talk about this after this, and we'll reduce any uncertainty about shit that's going on, all right, in your paper, okay? Whatever. Both introduce, the both of the damage mitigation methods introduce a system of flux that could possibly stop overflowing of the so-called bathtub or cauldron or caldera as well as provide substantial amounts of clean energy at relatively cheap cost. But we still do not know enough about uh, geophysics of these events to properly understand what cataclysm we could accidentally accelerate or induce all at once. The extremely volatile nature of our Earth on its own is difficult to predict, like, 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 difficult to predict, just like global warming, let alone its most energetic and powerful aspects, such as a super eruption. Now we have heat leak, which is small diarrhea. And we have eruptions, which is big diarrhea. Now we have fucking super eruptions. Think huge diarrhea. Big, like the biggest diarrhea you've ever had. It just destroyed the toilet, destroyed your pants, you were at a birthday party, and it ruined the whole show. Huge diarrhea, super eruptions. As we gain more understanding of supervolcanoes and our Earth as a whole, maybe we will find answers to these problems and we will be able to mitigate the possible catastrophe or stop them altogether. Period. The end. And then he has citations. So uh, JC's gotten a few sources. Um, for he's got He has four sources. Two of them are from the same uh, group. The first one comes from the California Institute of Technology, which is... Uh, uh, CIT is that how? Was what is MIT? I'm thinking of MIT, but this is CIT. This is the California Institute of Technology. Um, he had another paper from Moscow State University, and the last one that he has two sources from, um, which is actually from Colorado. It's the phys we're hearing this, the Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society. Um, so I mean, so he did. I mean, this was obviously a research paper for a physics class so he did get all of his sources from reliable sources but I think they they missed a few things so anyway missed uh, okay so we're first we're gonna go over 
the the topic I skipped over, which was fuck the risks. Even though, even though, even though, even even fucking though, these the methods of these techniques to mitigate damage haven't been tested. We don't know the risks of it, JC. But just go over briefly, briefly for me, what the risks are to drilling holes either directly into the magma chamber or in the perimeter of the supervolcano. Um, so the immediate risk when it comes to drilling anything near a magma zone is the idea of induced uh, seismicity, which is oh, a God. increasingly big problem, and especially when it comes to like Oklahoma and fracking. You have a lot of protests. Oh, that's fracking. right, yeah. So uh, fracking uh, creates induced seismicity, and what you're doing is you're pumping fluids into a uh, area of empty, like just basically a pocket of air and that's deep below the ground and that's going to create instability because of pressures. So uh, a lot of the situations that have to come with drilling directly into a caldera or outside a caldera is going to create induced seismicity because you're creating potential energy. Right, yeah, you, that you're shaking the earth up. Cost, like possibly create some sort of you know vibrations that would definitely dismantle a human's ability to do something at some period of time that's a big issue um <clears throat> okay another big problem when it comes to drilling near these holes is we don't know if they could with especially with induced seismicity like that we don't know if they can create a chain reaction that would induce eruptions so if you we've drilled into many different systems with egs's which are enhanced geothermal systems and when we drill into those systems um, we don't necessarily notice any sort of seismic, seismic uh, differences unless there are very uh, volcanically active or geothermally active zones. So with those issues in mind, um, there have been multiple projects, EGS projects specifically, that have been canceled due to induced seismicity. So a lot of different projects that have been canceled due to uh, um, not just eruptions, but uh, other geothermal activities like volcanic uh, movements or like earthquakes or um, other things like new geysers showing up or other zones of very interesting inquiry that we shouldn't be worried that we should be worried about you know so, some stuff like that is just very uh, terrifying and that's why I wrote a second paper about like basically a response hey, to this paper about that type you just hear me say briefly right uh, no I didn't okay no. Sorry, so, so just uh, as, I was say, as I was saying, on um, on. Um, we should be very careful about the different things we do when it comes to this earth, and we shouldn't drill um, when it's not necessarily known what could happen. And uh, other EGS systems have proven to be very volatile and create issues when it comes to the geothermal activity in that zone so okay you have to be very careful yeah about how we, i mean how we do that. it was it was the section of the paper called the risks and I mean, dude yeah, okay you just like droned on and on about i, just, I said briefly i'm sorry I'm sorry so basically yeah the major risk is inducing m more damage caused by the super volcano yes yes that, that's, that's all you had to fucking say dude Sorry, it's yeah. all right. Okay. Moving on. Um, so that's, I mean, we skipped over that part just because we don't really know because those methods haven't been tested yet. But anyway, moving on. Um, 
I had uh, after I read this and made my notes um, a couple weeks back. I I had some questions, uh, not necessarily just about super volcanoes, but you know, like uh, natural disasters on Earth. You know, like uh, uh, tornadoes and supernovas and 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 hurricanes and earthquakes, all that shit. I just had all these questions. So on the top of your head, off the top of your head, when was the last supernova on Earth, and what did we do to stop it? The last supernova? On Earth? Yeah, on Earth. Well, okay, so supernovas are uh, when a star contracts to the point to where it creates a large explosion. Right, like when Charlie Sheen got in all that shit. Yeah, yeah, tiger blood. But that's not natural disaster. I'm talking about natural disaster Earth supernova. Earth supernova? Yes. Okay, so an Earth supernova never happened. Never happened. An Earth supernova has never happened. W- okay. An Earth supernova is not possible. When was the last time we've had one of these crazy natural uh, disasters on Earth, and what did we do to stop it? A natural disaster or a supernova? A natural disaster. You know what I'm talking Natural disasters. Shit that happens on Earth. A supernova is not a natural disaster. When was the last... Off the top of your head, when was the last biggest natural disaster on Earth, and what did we do... To stop it or mitigate its damage. What, what do you mean by natural disaster? Because there's a lot of super, like, there's a lot of natural disasters that have happened. Never mind. Moving on. Right, wait, wait, wait. Let's okay. Well, how about how about when was the last volcanic eruption on Earth and what happened? Off the top of your head, and it, it could it doesn't have to be the exact last one. It could be any of them. Natural disaster. Na- volcanic eruption. Volcanic what did we do? Last what natural. last volcanic eruption? That was a what did to people. what did we do to mitigate the damage or stop it? Uh, the the last natural eruption that occurred that put people in stake. I mean, what, do you mean an earthquake or do you mean an actual volcanic eruption? You know, I, I'm talking about there there are volcanic eruptions that created earthquakes that created tsunamis that were natural disasters. Right, I'm talking about. Do you want do you want tsunamis or volcanic eruptions like above ground? All right, uh, I, I guess that kind of covers water. that kind of covers that first question. Uh, second okay, question, um, what do you think is the best way to prevent a supernova on Earth, and how close are we to that? A and, supernova on Earth. And what, yeah, and what could iPhones do to help? Okay. What do you think is the best way to prevent one of these supernovas on Earth? Okay. And how close are we to preventing that, and what could iPhones do to help with that? Okay, so... To keep from a supernova happening on Earth is to never let a sun become something on Earth. Like we can't have a star. Well, what about what part. about what about Jesus? Because he was God's son, and he was crucified, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, iPhones yeah. could do nothing to stop that because uh, main man Jew and got in in charge. Pontius Pilate decided he wanted to fucking kill this guy. Did you say Jew? Yeah, he was Jewish. No, he was Roman. He was Pontius Pilate. Pilots are always Jewish. Pilots. Have you ever Jewish. you rode on a plane? Okay, wait. wait. He okay. Want me to answer your question. Yes. Or no? Yes. Okay. Answer your question. Is that what yes. you're asking? Yes. Okay. So, um, if you don't want Jesus to be crucified, is what you're saying. Jesus was already crucified. This was two thousand years ago. We don't have to talk about this. Yeah, you you said this that is Christian that mythology. That was a supernova, apparently. That's is that what I no heard? no 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 no. Okay. 
Tell you me. said to you said the best way to prevent a supernova is to stop a sun on Earth from doing oh, anything. Oh, a sun. Is so like, is it okay. does it have to do with disappointed fathers? Does it have to do with having do you think a, God having was daughters? Jesus, is that what you're saying? At some point, probably. I don't, I don't know. Probably Jesus was probably like 13 years old, and he like diddled his wiener, and God was like, "Oh, yay, um, Yahweh, y'all know, don't do that." Was he circumcised? He's, he's Jewish, so obviously. You never know, dude. He was born circumcised. How did not like every man die? It's in the Bible, dude. He was born circumcised. This isn't rocket fucking science. Okay, this is I'm, supernovas I'm on Earth. Back. Okay, I'll back up. All right, okay, where we're going. So, best way to prevent supernovas on Earth, just. Don't. Best way to create a supernova? No, prevent, 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 prevent supernovas on Earth. I've read this four times. Uh, We're okay. So okay, apparently with all the risks and not not testing these methods, we don't know how close we are to preventing supernovas on Earth, and we don't know if iPhones could help because apparently throwing ten thousand of them in a volcano, they won't do shit. I'm talking about processing. I'm gonna move on to the next question. Um, ash clouds. Uh, those are created by volcanic eruptions, and ash clouds are spewed into the air. They cause lots of shade. Um, uh, super volcanic eruption ash clouds can cause volcanic winters, right? Yeah. Um, so if that, if that, okay. So we're talking about like this is like post-apocalyptic. Um, after the super uh, the super volcano explodes. Um, so if we get if we get those ash clouds will it rain magma no okay it's easy dude that was the easiest question that was okay perfect there you perfect go. yeah okay question number four this is, the, this is the last last question i had about this, this is more of a is more of an opinion type question it this could be this could be like from your childhood i don't care this is from my childhood yeah, yeah. um what's your favorite type of earth supernova mine is a tsunami. What's your favorite type? What? Don't worry about it, all right? All right. All right. So what's your favorite type? I have to think about it. Hold on. I like I like tsunamis. Give me a second, dude. Give okay. me a fucking second. Well, I'll just talk I'll talk about mine while you're thinking. I I really enjoy tsunamis. Um because it it makes me think of uh, that show on Nickelodeon a long time ago what was it called Rocket Power where they had like the skateboarder and the surfer and the, the roller skater and the fucking I don't know pool player I don't know how okay, many. Get, okay. Um, okay. tsunamis just like remind me of like, surfers shut the fuck up hold on I'm talking about my fucking favorite okay, okay. tsunamis I'm sorry. it just reminds me of like surfers riding a giant fucking wave and whenever I, whenever I think of a tsunami like going through it a town or something to think of like a, a surfer like riding the waves through the the streets and like surfing into a bank and making a deposit and shit like that it's fucking making dope. a deposit yeah so what's your favorite type okay it's a uh, it's tornadoes tornadoes i love tornadoes. really yeah. why i don't think they're a supernova but tornadoes are sweet well they happen on earth yeah but earth okay super. never mind never mind they're, the tornadoes are, uh, tornadoes are terrifying Tornadoes are sweet. I have dreams about them a lot. That's scary. It's terrifying. Yeah. I shit my just, pants on a regular basis. Tornadoes are like smaller land hurricanes. Yeah, that's exactly that's what they exactly are. Exactly what they but are. Very small. Yeah. Like miniature yeah. land hurricanes. 
Oh shit! What the fuck? <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, right. so uh, before we started the show, we put on this documentary about super volcanoes, and this this uh, picture of a nuke just came on the screen. And it has a seismograph. So okay, so that 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 kind of explains my point. Um, like if we mitig- if we're successful in mitigating the damage, they won't explode even if we drop a nuke on it. You can see that the seismograph needle going nuts. They're dropping that probably over New Mexico. Uh, probably a thicker. What type of supernovas salt. in New Mexico? Nothing. No. Nothing's I mean, in. There super- is actually. Nothing's is- in New Mexico. Oh, wait, wait. In New Mexico, there is actually a caldera that was a resultant of a. Well, massive- it's New Mexico, so obviously they're going to have Spanish cauldrons there. Oh, shut the fuck up! But there's going to be a caldera that is exactly. Yeah. And a uh, aftermath of an eruption in Yellowstone. Oh shit! Huh. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. It, it literally only erupt. It's a. It's it's considered a level eight supermassive volcano that is sitting in New Mexico, but is literally only a cauldron because of a massive Yellowstone eruption that forced that small weak spot in the crust. So last time Yellowstone exploded, it created New Mexico. Like a couple. That's crazy, couple man. Years. Even like the shape and everything. A few million years before that, yeah. Oh, a few million years. Yeah. That was before human history. It's pretty crazy. It was a long that. time ago. Anyway. Actually, they just pushed that back. All right. Cool. Yeah. I don't care. That we already much. know where it came. It came from Sumatra, which was 74,000 years don't ago. Forget, That's when humans started. Don't forget and then, and, uh, and then, what was it? Uh, Taupa Volcano in New Zealand, uh, 26,000 years ago, created New Zealand. And live Kiwis. As well as uh, 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 um, New Zealand natives were actually created after human history. So it was Sumatra, and then like 50,000 years later, it was the volcano in, in uh, uh, fucking New Zealand. But anyway, um, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, really hope you appreciated our discussion of this paper Super volcanoes are a real threat to human. Uh, God, dude, we can hear you pissing. You're in the. We can hear you pissing. You couldn't hold it for an. You couldn't hold it for an hour. I mean, I pissed twice. Twice in the past forty minutes. What do you mean? You're, dude. Like it's just distracting. So. But, alright, I hope you enjoyed our discussion of this. Uh, did you turn in this paper already? What grade did you get on it? Uh, this? this? Yeah. I got a, I got a B. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us for uh, the discussion of super volcanoes. Um, I had a lot of fun discussing this um it's a it's a real threat even if you weren't interested in this i recommend um researching super volcanoes and what they can do um to the surrounding land and the people that live there um it's it's really bad even though they're probably not going to erupt for another ten thousand years so we don't have to worry about it but it's just it's just something to, to put that put put back there in the back of your human history brain definitely yeah um I'm gonna I'm gonna publish this paper, the finished edited per, uh, version of uh, of this paper on Google Docs. It's gonna be in the description of the uh, episode, so feel free to read it for yourself so you can understand it in your own terms. 
Um, it's really, really interesting paper. I really recommend giving it a listen. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter, Snapchat, SoundCloud, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Pornhub, all at Tree Whittle. And you can you can actually also find me on uh, TripAdvisor. Wait, uh, Pornhub too? You can also find me on TripAdvisor where I review friends' homes. I have an average of 2.7 stars for my friends' homes, but also I have an average of 3.2 for amenities. It's pretty good. My friends' homes are doing really great. Um, you can also, uh, yeah, you can find me on, on, on iTunes as well. If you just, if you search uh, Tree Whittle, I'll be on there. Um, and you can, follow, you can find uh, JC on Twitter at JC Lawler underscore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Oh my god, that was a lot of fucking fun. Thanks for letting me butcher your paper, JC. No, I, I actually really loved it. <laughs> it was really entertaining. Too, that was a lot of fun. I, that's why I pissed so much, dude. I was it, so you're like, I had to get off. out of here. I was laughing my ass off too much. The, uh, the time I took um, reading over your paper and gaining the idea of butchering your paper, um, I had... I had so much fun planning this and doing it. Thank you for letting me butcher your paper. And I'm not joking. I will be posting it on Google Docs, and the link will be in the description of um, of this episode. Please read his paper and actually read it for yourself. It's really interesting, and it's it, it gives you a lot of information, stuff that you didn't know about Yellowstone itself at Yellowstone National Park and what it can do if it destroys us um, but the paper's about mitigating the damage and methods that we can do to you know reduce that this is great um so here right now for the uh outroduction i have jc the author himself um he's gonna briefly explain um in his own words in his own words not mine what the research paper is about with truth and then he's gonna close it out for us so go ahead jc take it away by the way, I was not aware Tommy was going to make a farce out of my paper. I was surprised that he was even bringing my paper into this shit. So it was hilarious <laughs> to listen to, and I had to pee multiple times that were just me escaping because I was going to laugh my ass off uh, during him talking. Um, thank you uh, very much for allowing me to be on your show, Tommy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm aware I was an asshole in the previous episodes, <laughs> and uh, I apologize for that. I have no excuse <laughs> other than the fact that I had in I was intoxicated, and I apologize for that as well. Um, sorry, you're a very social person. I I'm sorry. That. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's I, sorry. I honestly, I realized that probably in the middle of that. That's the reason like, we did this episode.
So don't tell me that. That it, just makes me feel worse. Well, I knew that I could make a joke out of it, and we could do something fun for it. Yeah. But we could also still learn something. We can learn what you know about super volcanoes, and also you can learn what we know about you. I honestly forgot I was supposed to talk about this paper <laughs> as well. So uh, thank you for reminding me about me mm-hmm. talking about my paper. Yeah. This paper is for a grade. Just so I'll let you know. So when you read it and you have any critiques about it, shut the fuck up. It was for a grade. Yeah. I just had to turn this in. But uh, it is pretty interesting. I'm not a geophysicist or anything like that. I'm not at all. I don't give a shit about our planet Earth or anything. So I didn't write this paper about us. It was pretty much just a situational thing. It's like, hey, this is, you know, we have a bunch of movies about meteors, asteroids, shit like that hitting the planet. And you freak out about it. You're like, that's terrifying, stuff like that. But, hey, there's something we wouldn't even be able to fucking see from a million miles away that would hit us. And that's what a super supermassive volcanic eruption would do to us. And my paper does explain exactly what that does. Gives you a, a geographical feel, even a uh, geological feel, and um, a mathematical feel of how much that would affect our planet and... It's important to understand what goes on around you, even if, you know, you, you, you sit there and you drop an apple, fork, or whatever the fuck you, you want, and you understand it hits the floor, and you have a basic idea, it's like, hey, it's gravity, but what the fuck are you going to explain after that? What is gravity? What is anything else? And that's what I do for a living, and that's what I try to portray in this paper as something that we don't know much about, and even people in that class didn't know much about in my paper was something that kind of opened their eyes to something and could be important to anybody. So it's something that's really interesting, uh, something that you could really uh, understand, hopefully, and um, maybe at some point in our lives you'll be able to change something to the better like this. So thank you very much. Some of them following Tommy's Denver escapades.